All right, so kind of where I want to start tonight is uh, I want to kind of go back and I want to talk about the prophetic timeline. And I know we've had several conversations. I just want to make sure that that, that, that is clear. Tom, if you want to go to, um, yeah, tonight is, is Ezekiel 39, God's defense. But before we kind of get there, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, talk about the timeline. I'm going to see if I've got my pointer. I'm not sure if I put it in here or not. If I didn't, my arm's not very long. Yep, there it is. Okay. All right, so it's going to be God's defense in, in Ezekiel 39. And, and, uh, but before we get there, let's go to the next slide. Tom, and this is the prophecy, prophetic, prophecy timeline. We're not going to get into all, the, all of the uh, 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 Scripture and stuff, but what I do want to do is just kind of talk you through it. And so we start here at the cross, and we start at the cross and the crucifixion, the resurrection, and, and the ascension. <clears throat> at that point in time, at the ascension, we, go, we move from a time of uh, what Daniel called in the 70 weeks. We was in the 69 week that that, at that time. We move into a time that's called the untimed time or the time of the Gentiles. And so God basically had gotten fed up with the Jews and, the, and, and uh, uh, how hard-headed they were. And they said, okay, we're going to take a little bit of time here. We're going to go talk to some other people. Uh, and so that's been going on for a couple thousand years. And so it's known as the time of the Gentile. The untimed time, which is right here, or the church age as you will hear it. Okay, so the next thing that we have that occurs on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, which we find in 1 Thessalonians 4, okay? And so <clears throat> I think it's really important for us uh, to understand that we had this rapture. Now, look, we talk about this. This is not the second coming, okay, because God, I mean, Jesus does not come all the way to earth. It tells us that we meet him in the air. Okay, that those of dead and those that know who he is will meet him in the air. And then we are whisked away in the twinkling of an eye. All right? And at that point in time, and we got to think about this, and I think this is where uh, it becomes uh, really important. You think about all the believers that are on this globe. Okay? And you think about them being gone just like that. And then what is left? What is left? The chaos, right? And we can see how fast the chaos has run through just our country in the past few years. <clears throat> and so you can see the people starting to just really devour themselves and become extremely ungodly. Now, uh, there is one scripture that I do want to read for you. If you'll go over to Second uh, um, Thessalonians uh, 9... No, I'm sorry, not nine. Second, let's look two nine. That'll change things a little bit. Just a little bit. I want to read this to you because you know there's there's talk that during the tribulation, all right, which is a seven year period, and it's marked by a peace treaty that the Antichrist brings in, and we'll talk about why that's so important. Uh, because of the chaos, because the world is upside down. The Ezekiel 38 war is either happening or has happened. Um, we have to think, and I heard something today that really made me think, and I've never looked at it this way. There are basically two religions in the world right now that are kind of holding things in check. All right? One is Christianity, 
and the other is Islam. All right, because of what their belief is and what they would not allow to occur on earth. All right, so what, how do we get rid of those two in order to bring in an antichrist? Well, the first is you have a rapture of the church, that there goes your Christians. And then you have the Ezekiel 38 war, which is basically the destruction of Islam as we know it. Okay? So now all of a sudden you've, you've eliminated those two players from it, and now all of a sudden you have created a vacuum in which a person could come in, and we can talk about you know, one world government, one world religion, one world currency, all that stuff. Okay? That's for another time and place. <clears throat> but I've never thought about that, that, you know, Islam was also one of those that was kind of holding that back because there's things that they would not allow and not tolerate from another person, all right? A person claiming to be God, first of all, all right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> we have the rapture of the church that occurs right here, and then we go into the tribulation. Now, the tribulation, the church will not be there, Okay? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will not be in the tribulation. All right? So don't, there's no worry there. So when we think about the horrors of it, we're not there. And, and I don't even say if you are, it's an uh-oh moment, but you don't want to be there because it's bad, really bad. So we have seven, seven years of tribulation. Now, why, why is God using the tribulation? He's using it. To bring his people back to him. To let the Jews know that he is what? God. That he is God. That's what the tribulation is all about. Is to bring them back to him. His people back to him. And there's scripture for that. Alright. But the point that I was getting ready to make there in 2 Thessalonians is this. There is thought that a person that has rejected the word. Prior to the rapture of the church. I'm talking about rejected God that whenever the rapture of the church happens, that they may not get that opportunity to change their mind. And there's actually some scripture to support that. So let's go to 2, and let's go to 9. I'll start in 9, if that's all right with y'all. It says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Who's sending that? God. Strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness so for those folks that say ah you know if it happens then i'll know it and then boom well what does he say right there Uh uh-uh you're not going to thumb your nose at me and then think it's going to be okay all right he's still righteous he's a god of judgment he's a god of love all right and he said he said he set a uh, a path in motion for us to take that is one in which allows us to miss all of this but then there's also a cost for not, all right, for choosing to go against him. And so 2 Thessalonians 9 through, I mean 2, 9 through 12, gives us some answers there about this time, all right? So we go through this tribulation period, and we know that at the three and a half year mark, okay, right here, the three and a half year mark, 
we have what is called the abomination of desecration. And basically, uh, desecration, basically what that is, is the Antichrist will go into the temple. Remember, the temple will be back. That's one of the things that the Antichrist is going to get going, is he's going to give the Jews back the temple mount. The ten- they're going to build the third temple, and they're going to start the sacrifices again. And everything's going, they think, are going to be going just fine. And he's going to go in, and then he is going to desecrate the Holy of Holies. And at that point in time, then that is when Satan is revealed, okay? And then this three-and-a-half-year period right here is, is horrible. We can't even imagine what happens there. And then, right here, right in here somewhere, we have Ezekiel 38 or the Gog-Magog War. Right here is Armageddon. Okay? Totally different. Not the same. Totally different. This is Armageddon. And at that point, that is the second coming in which Jesus comes, we we will return with him, and he takes care of the world at that point in time. Then at that point in time, the millennial reign starts a thousand years, and that's a whole other story. But that is the timeline, okay? Ezekiel 38, right in here somewhere. The second coming, Armageddon right here, okay? Does that kind of, hopefully it was already clear, but if it wasn't, hopefully that clears it up a little bit, all right? So we have this judgment. We have actually Ezekiel 38 war really is to start turning the Jews' eyes back to God. Remember what this coalition is all about. We, we've seen the pit. I've showed you all the maps. They're totally surrounded. Millions upon millions upon millions of troops. It tells us in the scripture that they will be ascended on like what? Like a cloud. All right? There is no way, no way on earth that the army could handle it by themselves. God intervenes, boom. All right? And so as we look, if we look back just real quick, we're not going to read much, but I, I, just, I just think this is really cool. In um, 38, if you'll drop down there to the second part of 18, this is Ezekiel 38, the second part of 18, and it says this, that my fury will show in my face. How scary is that? Is those pretty harsh words? Okay. That my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in this day there shall be great earthquakes. And we talked about that last week. Okay. And so then we move down to 22, <coughs> Ezekiel 38, 22. And what we get is we see the actual judgment. It says this, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence, which is disease, okay, and bloodshed. And I will rain down on him and on his troops and on the many people who are with him. Flooding rains, great hailstones, fire. I mean, just total catastrophe is what's going to end up happening to that army. And that is all a Muslim coalition, all right, and that will be destroyed. All right, so then that leads us into 39. All right, so let's turn to 39. We're going to spend the rest of our time here in 39, and I'm going to read to you a good bit of it. And so let's just kind of get started here. It says, And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bringing you against the mountains of Israel. Now, if any of you have a King James, 
all right, version, you're going to read something a little different right there. All right, and I'm going to talk about this. And this is something that I ran across. And once again, it's nothing that, that, uh, I, did, that I knew. I just, I, I've learned it, okay? <clears throat> uh, if you'll go to the next slide there, Tom, please. <clears throat> the very first thing you have to do is if you go straight north from Jerusalem to Moscow, they're in the same time zone. So when we talk about the far north, they're 1,600 miles away from each other. All right? And so right there in 39.1, it tells us about uh, the far north. But then it tells us this, and I want you to look at this. This is verse 2. It says, and I will turn you around and lead you. Now, in the King James, I'm going to pull it up. It says this. Just listen. This is the difference. That's what my version says, okay? Uh, New American Standard. And also, I believe the New King James says that too. The King James says this, And I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and you will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Okay, now, in the English language, that seems what? Different, right? A sixth, I will leave a sixth, which is actually speaking of what is, how many people have died. That means five-sixths have been destroyed. All right? But here's the deal, and this is what I thought was just so cool whenever I got into this. When you see this phrase, lead you on, in the Hebrew, it is very ambiguous. There is no specific definition of that. There are two. In Hebrew, there are different types of Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, all right? The one in which the King James uses, all right, speaks of, says, I will turn thee back and I will leave but a sixth part, a sixth. In the, I believe it is the uh, Ethiopian dialect of Hebrew, it says what we read, or what I'm reading here, it says, I will turn you around and lead you on bringing you up from the far north. So I will lead you or I will, re- or I will leave a sixth, all right? And what the guys I was reading said this, either one of those does not matter per se, but it does mean a little different, okay? And so it could be the sixth, leaving a sixth, which gives us a number, a five-sixths of the army destroyed, all right? Or I'm leading you into this destruction, okay? I just thought that was very um, uh, interesting because the roots and I guess I should have said this, the roots of those words date way back, and they're just, it's very ambiguous, okay? But there are two different ones, and, and um, from, the, from one of the ancient Hebrews, I can't remember that one, and then the Ethiopian, uh, that was kind of the two that, that people, most, most people lean on, all right? So they don't know exactly, but that, that's kind of, so if you have that and you look at it, go, my, my Bible didn't say that, that's the explanation of it, okay? All right. <clears throat> All right, so let's let's read on. Uh, It says, I will bring you up uh, against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. Now, here's another kind of, I don't want to say wordplay, but when you study the word bow, uh, the Hebrew uh, word for bow means launcher, a launcher. It's not a bow. We, We see it as a bow. That's easy for us to understand, but it's actually a launcher. So just think about, in today's world, we're not using 
arrows, even though he saw that, but yet it, la- it, la- it allows us to get a vision. We can say, okay, all right, launchers. And watch this. Arrows actually means piercer, and you can go on and break it on down. It's a piercer that hits like a thunderbolt. Pretty interesting, okay? So even in their time, they could understand bow, arrow, all right? But for us, we can understand, I mean, we can understand bow and arrow too, but it actually means launcher, piercer, all right? Uh, Hitting like a thunderbolt. So I thought that was pretty cool when we're reading it uh, as we're seeing this, this play out. Because remember, the war that Ezekiel is prophesying about has not happened. He's just talking about stuff, that the visions that he was given, okay? But yet, they connect to us so vividly. We can see that. Uh, we can see that. I can, I can see launchers, thinking if we want to take it that way. We can think of missile launchers and any kind of armament that we have that launches uh, shells and weapons at people. We can think about piercers, and we can think about the different types of ammunition that we have. And you've got depleted uranium uh, uh, shells that will go through over a foot of steel. That's a piercer, if I've ever heard of one. Okay, all right? And so that's the type of weapons that we're facing in this world today. All right? And it hits like a thunderbolt. Well, you know, to me, I mean, I've shot a bow a little bit. And I've shot a crossbow. And, I mean, I guess if it hits you, you'd think it was a thunderbolt that hit you. But a thunderbolt goes a little faster than what uh, an arrow uh, or a bow can shoot an arrow. But isn't that a great picture? So it hits like a thunderbolt. All right? Okay, so let's keep reading. All right? So it falls out of your right hand and says, saying, look, all this stuff that you got is going to be gone, okay, because it's going to fall out of your hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your, flip it over, troops, and the people who are with you. Remember, they're surrounded. It says, I will give you the birds of prey of every sort and the, the beasts of the fields to, de, to devour to be devoured. You shall fall on the open fields, for I have spoken, says the Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in the security of the coastlines. Now, that's something else uh, that we need to talk about just a little bit. When we read that on those that live in the security of the coastline, uh, that is used in the ancients as speaking of Gentile lands, all right. It's also used as speaking of islands and lands west of Israel. Okay, uh, There are people that will try to, and I'm not saying that they're wrong by no stretch, don't know, but that they'll even try to equate because the United States is west that he's talking, but it's global. The, re- the, the reaction is global. All right. And so we have this that says, for those that are in safety uh, on the coastline, it says, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So what is he trying to do? He's hitting every place so everybody knows what? That it's God. It's God. It's not some natural disaster. It's not something that happened in some other land that we didn't know anything about. Okay? It's God. He's saying that. I'm wanting everybody to know that it's the Lord. And right here, it says that they shall know that I am uh, the Lord. That's Yahweh. That's friend. Okay? That's not Adonai. All right? 
So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people. All right, so I'm going to make my name known in the midst of my people. So what does that mean, my people don't know, right? So everything that he's doing is to get the Jews who have turned their back. Remember, if you go, you can YouTube this. Uh, people, um, uh, guys going on the streets asking folks, who, who do you believe, asking Jews, who do you believe Jesus is? And most of the time, good guy. That's what you're going to get. Okay? But this is telling us that what? All right? That he is going to make everybody know who he is. And this is what 39 is all about. All right? So I'll make my name, holy name, known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. All right? The time for silence is over. No more. Um, I guess just to kind of uh, chase a rabbit here real quick, if that's all right. Uh, today, uh, just a couple of hours ago, uh, Israel had some major strikes, okay, on Iranian targets in Iraq. Iraq just came out and said that we want all American forces out of Iraq. We can defend ourselves now. That just happened, okay? Uh, <clears throat> Iraq went on to say, but we don't need Iran meddling in our country and and creating grief on us, but they're allowing it, all right? They're allowing it. And folks, I mean, it, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's just a powder keg. It's a powder keg, that, that, and it's boiling over there right now. And uh, I'm telling you, it's not hardly a day goes by right now that there's not something uh, that's coming across the, you know, the news feeds. And so we know there's so much more going on that's not going across the news feeds, all right? <clears throat> But it's, you know, it's, it's pretty much the time they're like, look, time for talk is over. You keep firing missiles at us. You keep doing this stuff. No, we're, we're overplaying games. And I believe that's what we're seeing out of, out of Israel right now. It says, surely, this is eight. It says, surely it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. <clears throat> then those, it's nine. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set fire and burn the weapons. All right? It's pretty, pretty good stuff right here. So they will burn weapons, both the shields, the bucklers, the bows, and the arrows, the javelins and the spears, and they will make fires with them for what? Seven years. Seven years. What else is going on for seven years? Tribulation. All right? So we have fires that are burning for seven years. That's how, that's, that's how much equipment all right, uh, they are dealing with. Seven years. It says, They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. Now, <clears throat> You can go a lot of different ways right here, and we can talk about the weaponry that we have today and how many of those tanks and stuff and, and the, the types of missiles and, and, the, and, and the shells that they have and, and all the, the explosiveness that they have within them, and we have all the nuclear weapons. So it would be very easy uh, for, uh, for, not for us, but for uh, them to, to uh, uh, find the fuel to burn fires for seven years, okay? All right? <clears throat> And there's some, you know, folks, it's pretty interesting to read that really gets into more of the nuclear aspect and what could actually occur uh, with this. <clears throat> but we know this is a massive situation that has occurred. 
It will come to pass, this is 11, it will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers because they will bury Gog and all of his multitude. All right, so uh, let me go on, I'm sorry, I should have I kept reading. It says, uh, therefore, they will call it the valley of Hammon Gog. All right, if you, there, uh, go to the next slide, please. Okay, so the Dead Sea is right here, uh, and I was actually trying to pull some other pictures. I just couldn't really find the right one where I could say that's it, but from everything I've read, this area right here of Jordan is just desert. It's nothing, all right? And this is the area that they're talking about will be the burial place of this massive army, okay, <clears throat> that they will be burying for, actually, we haven't got there yet, but for seven months, all right? And there's some reasons that they talk about, you know, people uh, talk about, first of all, is just uh, the way in which, I guess, the winds and stuff blow um, from west to east there. Plus, it's in a very desolate place, very desolate place, all right? But that is the area right here. And like I said, that right there's Jerusalem. There is the Dead Sea, all right? <clears throat> it says, therefore, they will call it the Valley of Ham and Gog. And for seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Now, this is, this is pretty interesting, cleansing the land. All right. Once again, as I was traveling through reading guys and, and listening to people, I didn't know this about nuclear fallout. When a nuclear weapon uh, uh, explodes, and most of the time they want it to explode above the ground. All right, so it... You know, we see the mushroom cloud that goes up, but it's actually spreading out at the bottom. And then what happens is when it hits, all of the debris on the ground goes up into the air. It is radiated, and that is what is considered fallout. Now, what I did not know is that fallout only lasts for 15 days. Okay? And if, at the end of 15 days, the fallout will be gone, and all you'll have left is what is radiated. All right, the Russians, the, the, the Chinese have been dealing with this for a long time because they have massive structures underground to house people for 15 days. Then the next thing that you do, all right, I, I just thought this was really cool. They, not only do they have these massive bunkers, they also have a large stockpile of, of bulldozers because what you do is you have to bulldoze down one foot to get to good ground because radiated soil cannot grow anything it cannot grow anything so the ground is dead but if you go one foot down it's not there and so you can <laughs> their plan is when the nuclear war happens we we'll wait 15 days they come out all i have to do is take the bulldozers cut down one one foot into the ground get rid of that soil and then they can replant i thought that was kind of interesting 15 days now obviously we know that radiation lasts a whole lot longer but uh, just very interesting when we start thinking about how this kind of plays out because it said that the land needs to be cleansed, all right? And it, it even gives us some other pictures here about how the land uh, will be cleansed. It says, for seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying and they will gain renown for it on that day that I am glorified, says the Lord. 14, they will set apart men regularly employed with the with the help of search parties 
to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. Okay, one thing that we do know is that, you know, radiation is searing heat, all right, which will just vaporize, but there will also be left bones, and those bones can be, could, be, could potentially be radioactive for whatever, okay? All right, but they're going to even pick up all the bones, every bone. They want to get everything out of the land, and they're going to take it to this desolate place to get it away, all right? That's cleansing of the land, all right? So they're going to have all these people working, cleaning up this mess. And the whole time they're doing it, you can only imagine what they're saying. How did this happen? It had to be God. There's no way that this type of army, that this type of army, I mean, there wasn't a shelf fired. It was just obliterated. And it's pulling them back to who God is. So the search parties will pass through the land. And when anyone sees a man's bone... He shall set a marker by it till the barrier have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. It says the name of the city will also be Hamanon. Uh, thus they shall cleanse the land. So here's the Lord <coughs> having this plan that you're going to totally annihilate um, this massive army. But then we have to get rid of the bodies. Okay. I know, just going back, I know that during the Civil War, uh, I'm sure it was in any war, but one of the things that they always had to do was they had to get rid of the bodies, all right, because it didn't take long before the bodies and all sorts of disease and stuff would set in with bodies starting to decay. And so they had to get rid of bodies. Same thing here, got to get rid of the bodies. Now, we know it's going to take a long time, but there's going to be some help that's getting ready to come. So then we have in uh, 21... And I know I'm reading this for you, but this is just the way because, you know, the whole idea, this, the whole concept, uh, I say concept, the whole thought process here is God is reintroducing himself to his people and saying, this wouldn't have happened on your behalf. It happened because of me. And for 2,000 years, I've allowed you to go through this. I've allowed you to go through all this stuff because you wouldn't listen. Now that time's over, and I'll never leave you again. All right? <clears throat> 17 says this, And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come, gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal. All right? So the sacrificial meal, that's not a meal you want to be at, okay? You don't want to be at the sacrificial meal. Or you don't want to be the meal, I guess. A great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh, drink blood, you shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, lambs, of goats, bulls, all of them fatling uh, of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full and drink blood till you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am uh, sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men, with mighty men and with all men of war, says the Lord God. So here's a sacrificial meal. Here is a sacrifice. Here is a, a letting of blood, okay? And he's letting the whole world know, okay? Uh, and allowing, the, uh, you know, like I said, the animals, the beast, uh, to come in and devour too. <clears throat> 21 says, I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment. 
which I have executed. Look at that again now. So, so this, this tells us exactly what's going on. It says, I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall, shall see, what? My judgment, which I have executed. It's over. In my hand, which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord, their God, from that day forward. So what that's speaking to us is telling us that from that day before, they, didn't, they still didn't believe. But from that day forward, they're going to believe. All right? The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their inequity. Right? We talk about that all the time. Because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hide my face. I mean, he hid his face. He hid his face from them. And I've gave them into the hands of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. And so we can look through history, Jewish history, and we can see all the things that have happened to them through Jewish history. Horrible things. All right? Just, just a few of the things. We know what the Romans did to them. You know, we know uh, what the Chaldeans did to them. We know what, what you know, the, the Nazis did to them. We know what the, really the world has done to them for the most part, all right? According to their uncleanliness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and have hidden my face from them. So he's saying, I've done this. I've hid myself. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now, <laughs> that's a big now, I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness, in which they were unfaithful to me when they dwell safely in their own land and no one made them afraid. When I brought them back from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who sent them into ca captivity. So first of all, it said the Gentiles do it. Now it's saying they know that I sent them into captivity. Okay, among the nations, but also, but I also am the one who brought them back. Okay, I brought them back to their land and left them, left none of them captive any longer. And this is an unbelievable blessing. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Is that cool? I mean, that is awesome stuff when we look at it. We know through the age of the church, the persecution of the Jews. We've talked about that exhaustively, you know, about what has transpired. And here is God coming in right here before the tribulation, all right, right before the tribulation, and, and making himself known. You know, and I know that Gary is going to get into, uh, at some point in time, some revelation, and we'll start talking about the turning of the Jews back towards uh, God and 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 how that is going to occur. Obviously, this was a big step, okay? But there's going to have to be some teachers there for them, okay? And, um, you know, it, once again, it goes back, and I know we read this, and we can think, golly, man, it's so harsh, but, you know, sin is nasty. Sin is dirty. You know, sin deserves death. And, and Jesus came and, and died on a cross for us and, and hides us away from that. But for those that, that don't, have not accepted him, they're still having to deal with that, that sin. And so this is um, God coming in and intervening, okay? And so I hope as we've kind of gone through this over the however many weeks we've done, I, I hope you don't see it as, 
you know, it's not sensationalism or anything like that. It's just, it tells us to understand the season, to understand the sign. And as we see the sign, don't, don't be uh, one of those that put your head in the sand. You know, it also tells us in the scripture uh, you know, that we're, that we're called to be watchmen on the wall, that we're called to be paying attention to this. We're called to be protecting our families from this. And we're, to, we're called to protect the body of Christ. And, not, I mean, we, man, we could get in, whew, we could go down the road of apostasy right now, but we're not going to. All right? But what just the church people are doing. And we say, well, how can the church people do it? Because it tells us in the Scripture that there's going to be people that fall away, that people are going to be doing insane things. All right? And so... You know, we don't need to look and be shocked when we see this stuff. What we need to say is this is God's word coming to life right before my eyes. All right? And so what we need to do is spend our time in prayer, and we need to spend our time out and about. Okay? Because there's so many people that need to hear this, you know, and uh, uh, I just think it's, it's ext- well, not think. I know it's extremely important, and that's why God gives us the book of Ezekiel. That's why he gives us Daniel. Because it's, it's our hope, y'all. Boy, just think about it. If there, was no, if there was not an ending to it. If all it was, hey, look, Dave, you got to stand on your own two feet. If you make it through, you make it through it. Really? That's not our God. Okay? That's not our God. 